Welcome to the 1068 Pubcast, where we drink beer and talk about shit that we find entertaining. Please don't take us more seriously than we take ourselves, and by all means, pull up a chair, open a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 15 of the 1068 Pubcast. I am your pubcaster, Milliardo, and with me here tonight is the guy who told me once when we were very drunk that he thought the two of us should fuck up some people on Black Ops. <laughs> Freedom! Yeah! <laughs> I didn't know. I like how, okay. like, uh, like Freedom and I are both like, mm, I'm not going to take that Is one. that me? <laughs> I had to Did take I a sip. That? Sorry. I got, I got thirsty. Oh, Sorry okay. about that. And... The guy who told me in confidence that he recently got AIDS <coughs> uh, of Donald Trump to finally respond to his complaints over foreign policy, Corrales. Oh, man, you know, neither one of those is likely to happen. Me getting AIDS or me actually getting AIDS to get Trump to do anything positive. Uh, yeah. So how are you guys doing tonight? Uh, doing all right. I'm, I'm doing good. well. I've got a beer, got a whiskey, poured, ready to drink. I'm, I'm in a great mood. I'm very excited to go through this whiskey segment. Yeah, me too. This is the Christmas Switch Moss episode where we're going to switch things up. <laughs> Mossly, guys. Mossly. That's right. We're going to celebrate our favorite wintry holiday by giving each other the greatest gifts of all, which would be control over our most prized podcast segments. So, starting off the switchery bobbery tonight, uh, because I don't know about you guys, but I am thirsty, and this glass of whiskey looks pretty good. Uh, are we up for a Freedom's Whiskey Corner? I, for one, am. I'm ready to do this. Corrales, are you ready to hand your baby over into the willing hands of Freedom? I have full confidence that uh, Freedom's going to do an outstanding job, so oh, I, uh, I'm ready to do it. Ooh. Don't, don't set the, don't, don't <laughs> set the bar too high, because... I'm looking forward to doing it from this side of the drinking, so there you go. Freedom, tell okay. me what to do. Here we go, guys. <laughs> Here's to cheating, stealing, fighting, and drinking. If you cheat, may you cheat death. If you steal, may you steal a woman's heart. If you fight, may you fight for a brother. And if you drink, well, friend, may you drink with me. Welcome to Freedom. This is Whiskey Corner. Let's drink some whiskey. (laughs) Freedom. Good. You had to see that coming, right? You had to see that coming. No, I didn't. I really didn't. That's good. <laughs> I like it, though. All right. The uh, the whiskey that I chose today is actually a bourbon. And um, and I actually don't know how to pronounce the uh, the distillery. I mean, I, I can pronounce Woodford, but I'm looking at the bottle, and it's uh, Le, Le Bro. Le, I don't know if it's French. Le Brot, Le Brot, Le Bro, and Graham. Le Brot? I'm not really sure how to say that. But the bourbon that we are going to be... Uh, tasting today is Woodford Reserve Distillers Select, and that's the what I consider to be the staple of the Woodford um, Distillery. Uh, so I did a little bit of homework, and I actually just went to the website just to kind of you know get a little bit of history behind Woodford Reserve. And according to the Woodford Reserve website, apparently, and I didn't know this, uh, Woodford Distillery is the oldest but also the smallest of the nine major bourbon distilleries in Kentucky and originates back to, I think it was 
around 1812. Did anybody know that? I actually didn't realize that it was one of the oldest, if not the oldest, um, distillery of the big boys. It's on the bottle, right? That it says is 1812. 1812, yeah. uh, Which is, ah, damn, that's a long time ago. Wait, did Kentucky exist in 1812? I don't know if I buy that. That seems (laughs) really, it seems like a really long time ago. We're disputing the the evidence on the bottle. I like it. I feel like if Kentucky was there in 1812, Kentucky would be smarter by now, right? Wouldn't Kentucky be a little smarter? If only we knew somebody that knew a little thing about American history. So, you know, I, <laughs> honestly, I don't know exactly what. Let's see. Uh, I, I was looking it up actually. I mean, I, I it it was definitely a state in 1812, uh, 1792. So, okay. uh, so 20 years the in. First. Then. Jeez. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. In fact, I want to say Kentucky was the first. It was either the first or definitely it was definitely one of the first states added after the original 13. Okay. Yeah. It's probably where they sent all their stupid people, right? Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> because when our country started, if you guys remember back in high school, remember we didn't start with the Constitution. We started with the Articles of Confederation. Yeah, of course. And Freedom doesn't remember. He died. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> one of the smartass. <laughs> <laughs> one of the only things that the Articles of Confederation did a good job of was created a system for bringing in new territories. Um, and I'm looking. Okay, so Kentucky was the second of that those new territories. Um, so Kentucky was our 15th state. Okay. Okay. All right. So it basically became a state, and these guys planted a fucking flag and started making some bourbon not long after it appears yeah 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 i i, I dig that yeah i, well, and I and had so, no idea man i i did not know it's been around that long yeah i didn't either i mean it's right there on the bottle well it's i say right there you kind of have to look for it but it's on the back of the bottle um and it even says on the bottle one of the fun facts that i was going to note was that the actual distill distillery itself is is a part of um uh the national historic register of or what is it Nat- national register of historic places i think i think it's yeah, been historic up sites and, or whatever yeah it's it's not as old as the brand i guess right the woodford reserve whatever you know i think it was at least 100 years old or something like that but also another fun fact is that um woodford reserve is the official bourbon of the kentucky derby i actually didn't know that i'm not fancy enough yeah, to know they, kentucky derby facts Every year they do a Kentucky Derby bottle. I saw that, and I was I looked at yep. that bottle. I was like, "Oh, that's a pretty cool looking bottle." Where it, it incorporated yep. the horse and the uh, the jockey on the bottle. I mean, you know, and, and it's purely a you know, it's just a you know bottle. I mean, the, the whiskey. Thing. Yeah, the whiskey's no different. Nothing. But there are people that yeah. collect those bottles. Yeah, yeah, it looks. They cool. have a Christmas yeah. bottle out right now too. Do they really? Yeah, Didn't it's a that. different paint job. I think it's got the distillery like covered in snow. So, um, and so a few other things. The founder—I can't remember the founder's name. I should have wrote it down. Uh, the founder of Woodford Reserve actually spearheaded like several of the uh, uh, making bourbon making um, advancements that are used today. Um, for example, like uh, using uh, charred oak barrels. He didn't invent it, but like you know, used it more. Um, What's the word I'm looking for here? Used it all the time. More prominently? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe prominently or just made it like that's the staple is we're going to use them. Um, and also uh, perfecting or using the uh, sour mash 
process as well was something that the uh, the original founder of uh, Woodford Reserve also did as well. You know, I, I've kind of wondered that. Like, uh, you know, one of the things I teach, you know, whiskey whiskey is actually a really important part of American history. And when I'm teaching the Whiskey Rebellion, whiskey back then was basically what we think of as moonshine today. A lot of it was unaged corn whiskey. And it makes me wonder, you know, I wonder when bourbon, you know, like you said, the first charred oak barrels, at least four years old. Like, I wonder when that came about. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's as far question. as the thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. When did it become like, oh, that's the thing. And then it became a legal requirement. And yeah. How, exactly. how did that even work? Yeah. How, how do you just say, okay, it's got to be four years. How do you get to that point? Yeah. So it's a, the use of the term bourbon for the whiskey has been traced to the 1820s. So like, Whoa, I mean, right around, okay. you know, just a little after Woodford Reserve. Became a thing. Yeah. And then the term became consistent in the 1870s. Oh, wow. So that's 50 years after the fact. Okay. Right. And then the the legal requirements started. Ooh, that'll be interesting to hear. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It says, well, so 1964 is when the United States Congress recognized bourbon whiskey as a distinctive product of the United States. But as okay. far as like the rules for... You know, first fill barrels and, and mash bills of fifty percent corn. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't know. I'll see what I can find on that. But I, I don't know That's what interesting, that started. Yeah. So anyway. So yeah, um, so Woodford British, Reserve really must have been on the forefront of it. it. It sounds like it, if it was one of the first to come out, right? But it would be interesting to see like where the other big boy distilleries like fit into that mold. You know what I mean? Because if you hear that right. uh the founder was like a, a prominent figure in using the charred barrel oak barrels and then also prevalently used the sour mash process. There's so many other things in between, but just besides uh, those two things, how long you keep them in an oak barrel and uh, you know, when do you say, when do you start using things other than corn to, you know, that's not bourbon, right? How how the other distilleries fit into that mold would be pretty interesting to look at, I think. Yeah. The two main things that I know about Woodford Reserve is I know that uh, if you're going through Kentucky, it's pretty hard to miss. When I was coming through Kentucky to the July trip with you guys, uh, there were signs for it everywhere, which makes sense if they're not only a, you know, a longtime old distillery, but it also makes sense if they're kind of a local, well-known, reputable organization for like you know as you were saying freedom the official bourbon of the uh the kentucky, kentucky derby, derby. Yeah. kentucky derby yeah so i mean there it's very hard to miss as you're driving through kentucky there's signs for it everywhere um and then on top of that i like that i can go to a grocery store and get this i mean obviously it's not too expensive but the fact that you know if i want to go if i'm if i'm with my girls and i want to go get a bottle of uh the ball Vinny, i can't do it because you can't take him into a liquor store but this, you know, you can go to a grocery store, go to Walmart, at least around here you can, and you can find these things on the shelves there. And I, I appreciate that. Can't do that around these parts. If only we could. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't have that luxury? Fair enough. Not that. Uh, we, yeah, we, have, we, we have don't. Bible Belt communism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's right. how it's written right. down. Yeah. <laughs> Bible, Bible Belt. Belt. <laughs> fascism. In, yeah, yeah, there you go. You go into a grocery store on Sunday and it says no beer sales due to Bible Belt fascism. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's what Matt's Go to would church. Say. Get right go to church. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Go to church. Your mama's worried. <laughs> so, moving on to to the bourbon itself. So, um, just going straight off the bottle. It's a Kentucky straight um, bourbon whiskey. It's what is that? Forty five point two ABV, which is ninety proof. I think it's a small batch bourbon as well. Um, one other interesting fact. There's a reason why I chose this to do this bourbon tonight. I wanted to do something um, more on the simple side, right? Because we we talked about how I say simple and just use that, take that with a grain of salt. But you know, when we're doing the other um, whiskeys, they're very complex. It seems like they're they're uh, scotches. Uh, I think all of them have been scotches, haven't they? The previous ones. That no, we've done? we started Was with there, four roses. Uh, we did start with four roses. Yeah, okay. we started with four roses, a uh, single barrel. Okay, so this is right in that same, you know. And um, Redbreast is in the scotch, scotch, is it? It's right, and then Redbreast, we we've got an Irish whiskey in there. Yeah, so really only yes. yep. I think only two scot two scotches, one bourbon, one whiskey or one Irish whiskey, and then whatever whatever Nicka whiskey was. It, uh, it was just scotch too, actually. It was a scotch. Was, too. Okay. That's <laughs> technically a scotch. Yep. You just wanted to so say Nicka of, whiskey. I did just want to say Nicholas. <laughs> so I guess the thought was I wanted to do something a little more on the simple side this time. It was something that was already in my, uh, you know, that was kind of a uh, convenience thing. I already had it, you know, so I didn't have to yeah. go out and buy another one. But the real reason was I wanted to do something a little more on the simple side. I forgot about Four Roses, um, but wanted to yeah. cover the, the simple side of the whiskeys. And, um, but as it turns out, there's actually more to it. You know, it, like I say, simple in quotes, right? Um one kind of interesting thing, apparently, that um, at least according to, I think it was according to the Kentucky Distillers Association, the ones that do the, the what is it, the Kentucky Bourbon uh, bourbon Trail. I think it was. Which I want to do website. so bad. Yeah. I, I think that's something, that. like, we, we need to do that. That would be amazing. Is that our next trip? That's Dude, what we had talked about. I, I think it would be very about. doable. And it would be, I would imagine, sort of halfway. Actually, it's not, it would it's be. actually yeah. pretty, actually maybe a little closer to Milliard. Yeah, I think it is a little closer to me. I think it was maybe six to eight hours drive yeah. from here. Yep. And yeah. right around Four that or five time, if not less. Yeah. Yep, yep. But one interesting thing is that apparently this is this is a triple distilled bourbon. Really? I don't know how that's possible, but maybe it, that may be a misinformation or I or read it incorrectly, but it said it's distilled three times. Um, but they also use copper pot stills, which is very similar to uh, uh, Scotch Irish whiskey. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Irish whiskey. That's true. And, Some Scotch. Yeah. Scotch is too. Yeah. Irish whiskey. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was pretty unique. Uh, it's it's not as simple as it sounds, right? It's it's It sounds like it's a little bit more to it than just what a typical what you would think of a typical bourbon, uh, distill it once, move on. I, I don't know. I just thought it was very unique. So, um, and the last thing is that each, uh, each bottle has a, uh, you know, a, a particular batch looks like a batch and bottle number associated with it makes it unique as well. So anyway, uh, that's all I've got. Um, guys want to move on to I'm the super curious. Yeah, yeah. Let's get on to the taste. Let's do it. Cheers guys. Cheers. Cheers. Smells so good. Oh man. Golly, I forget how good that is. I don't drink it every day. 
It's unfortunate. So, I mean, definitely does have a burn, uh, especially compared to a lot of the scotches that I've been having lately. But I think that's a bourbon thing. It is a bourbon thing, but I, I it think is, it is a it is. uniquely Woodford thing, too. Like, mm. I think Woodford's a really spicy um, bourbon. But at the same time, I'm not going to say it's unpleasant. Like, I'm enjoying it. Oh, yeah. It's not. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. It's definitely not unpleasant for me, either. It's it's more of like a peppery fire, like a black pepper, yeah. black pecker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely <laughs> taste the fire. black pecker here. Yeah, definitely <laughs> taste the black pecker. Yeah. So it's not long and lingering black pecker. Um, but it does stay in your mouth for a little while, and I've actually I'm starting to feel it like in my stomach now, a little bit of a warm sensation yep. in my stomach, and uh, yeah, yeah, it runs down your chest, yeah, a little bit, a little bit for me. You know, you're you're right though, man. I've always found Woodford Reserve to be spicy when it comes to the black pecker, but also like actually having a little bit more of an alcohol burn to it, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. It finishes pretty smooth. It doesn't have you don't get that oily finish afterwards that you get with other bourbons sometimes. If I recall, Four Roses kind of gives me that oily, a longer finish. finish. I think it, so I think. too. Yeah, no, definitely. And this yeah. one definitely. I, I agree. Not. Well, Cross, you and I have talked a lot about like a need to breathe at the end of hot whiskeys, and uh-huh. I can separate the burn in this from that feeling too, because I do think when you're gasping for air at the end of a drink, that to me is the mark of a bad whiskey, at least in my opinion. And that's not what I'm doing here. When I'm saying burn, it's more of a – it's a spicy taste like you said. And it is a feeling in your chest, but it's not knocking me over like some of the cheaper, not great whiskeys, in my opinion, have done. There are some higher-end ones too, like Blanton's, for example. I know, Corrales, you've had Blanton's before, but uh, Miliardo, have you ever experienced Blanton's? No, I wanted to get a bottle because it had the the horsey on top, and I was like, that, that looks legit, but uh, yeah. I didn't. It does have the so. horsey on top. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah that's, how I, that's how I pick whiskeys. I'm like, which bottle has a horsey on it? Ooh, the yeah. pretty horsey. Honestly, <laughs> Miliardo, like, no joke, It's that's one of the reasons why. Blanton's was my very first whiskey bottle that I ever put in my collection. It was largely because I thought it was oh, a really cool man. bottle. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> is. You. It's very unique. So, you know, it is very you, you got to start somewhere. You know what I mean? You got to start somewhere. Yeah. But but it's a super burn. It's a super burn. It is compared a super burn. To, compared to what we're doing now, it's very... It's smokier, to too, man. Harsh. It is smokier, yeah. and it is oilier. Yeah. Um, Blanton's is nicknamed um, Dark Horse. Dark Horse, like yeah. it when you if you pour it with other bourbons, you can noticeably see that it is a darker bourbon, and it definitely tastes like it. Like it has more spice, more smoke to it, and more of an oilier finish. It's not bad. It's just a much. It's a to it's, me. It's one of the strongest bourbons out yeah. there. It's like for scotches comparing like the Balvenie versus Lafroig or a, a Talisker. You know, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. they're not bad, but I mean, the complete palette is really like, different. Whoa, massively different. Yeah, and there's sweetness to blends. I mean, there is vanilla notes there and is. things like that, but it, yeah. it is definitely like a th- a not, thicker not tasting light. bourbon. Sure, yeah. And I think that's where I was going to go with this one. I certainly get vanilla as well when I even when I smell it. Oh yeah, super vanilla, super vanilla when I smell it. But that's all I get when I smell. But I also feel like I could pour this, if it wasn't so thin, I could pour this on some um, pancakes in lieu of maple syrup. <laughs> I'm ser- I'm dead serious. I feel like I could pour this in lieu of some maple syrup or, or in tandem with some maple syrup, and that would be the shit. 
You know what I mean? Honestly, it's got a maple syrupy type uh, taste to it as well. I get a smell of maple syrup with it. Oh man, it smells! It smells great. It's very sweet. It's easy to drink. I mean, you know, minus the the little pep- yeah. black pecker in there, well, but you know, it, <laughs> man, it's super easy. It's still even with that. It is a very easy to drink uh, whiskey. Is easy to drink bourbon. Um, I'm already halfway through my glass, and I'm just enjoying it. It's interesting because I love it, but I'm not getting much flavor at all. This fits the bill of a whiskey that I would probably not think I would like based on the burn, but I am enjoying it. So I'm trying to piece that together. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what that means, where I can like something that I typically don't like. Yeah. So so my notes for Woodford Reserve. So for me, the nose, definitely maple syrup. Um, and there, there's definitely a lot of sweetness that comes through. I like, I love the smell of Woodford Reserve. To me, I think the nose is better than the taste and the finish. Um, I, I really I like the that. way it yeah, smells. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's an astringent alcohol burn to the smell as well. Yes. So like to me, I get like maple syrup, I get some vanilla, and then I get, there is that alcohol astringency. And then for... For the body, for me, the maple syrup continues. There's definitely sweetness um, in the whiskey, but then there's a there is a spiciness to it. Woodford Reserve has a pretty high rye bill. I think it's 18% rye, and so that that's where you get that black uh, pepper. And then it it kind of gives way. There's a little bit. I get lemon flavor a lot of the times, or an orange zest, like almost orange peel flavor in the finishes of bourbons a lot. And I definitely get that with with Woodford, but I think with Woodford having that more to me, it is it is a more stringent, alcoholic burn bourbon. To me, it finishes a lot cleaner than some of the bourbons that aren't as astringent. So yes, absolutely. You know, so that was kind of my taste and notes on Woodford. I'm, I'm like you, Miliarda. I think it's a really quality bourbon, and I think for thirty bucks. It's uh, it's definitely one of the best bottles you can get for thirty bucks. Um, so it's a quality bourbon. I'm one hundred percent on board with what you were saying, Miliardo. I I don't think it has a lot of depth, but it is definitely a very complete, easy drinking whiskey. Yeah. And I think the finish is nice and clean. Um, I will say one other thing I noticed. As I smelled it more, I got a little bit of a banana nut bread. Um, yes. Smell in the. Did you get the banana? No, well, banana, it was specific. It's going to sound weird, but it, it, it reminded me of banana schnapps. Has anybody had banana schnapps before? I have never had banana schnapps. Uh-uh. I don't think I want to have banana schnapps. That sounds <laughs> god awful. You've actually <laughs> had banana schnapps before. Was that in your Scooby-Doo shot? Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. And the reason why I say that is because it's the banana, but it's alcoholic. You know, it tastes like alcohol. That's what I think it, right. it, it's ringing in my ears, banana schnapps. But yeah, banana. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. I was sitting on that for like five minutes, but you said it and I was like, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. <laughs> As the voice of the whiskey noob, like I enjoy being able to pick out the flavors and try to think I'm a big dog when it comes to, to tasting these things. And I can do that with the things that are more obvious, like a scotch. And bourbon, you could give me probably 15 different bourbons and I probably would not be able to, to distinguish or even pick out the different flavors in them at this point in my my development, I guess you could say. But, you know, maybe one day. And I do think that um, 
despite that, I do think that this is a very good bourbon uh, based on what I've had, the few that I have had. And I do think it's, it's again, accessible and, and, and good for what, what you get. I would like to get to that point to where I can taste something that doesn't have quite as much depth and still pick it out. But I think at this point, when you have that sort of noobish palate, uh, I think it's reasonable to expect, if you are another whiskey noob like myself, to expect that something like this, you're probably not going to pick out the flavors, but you could still enjoy it. You know, it's it's a good point because I actually, after I gave my tasting notes here, I was silent for a little bit. I was going back through my. Um, I, I remember I rated this one on Distiller on the Distiller app. And I went through to see, okay, let me see what my tasting notes were before. And I almost hit it spot on with what, what we had, what I had said previously, but there was one piece that I didn't, um, that I had tasted before, but I didn't taste this evening and was chocolate, like a chocolate finish, a sweet milk yeah. chocolate finish. I didn't okay, get, I get like a dark, now, but I got it finish. before, but I got it before. So, I mean, it's more or less what I get out of what you just said, Miliardo, is yeah, you got to, it's more of a frequency thing. You got to taste it more frequently and, and you may get more things out of it the, the next time you taste it or less things. I mean, it's one of those things you got to keep, keep getting in, getting through it, keep tasting it and, and new things can pop out at you, I think. Cause I didn't get banana before, but I got it tonight. I kind of assumed that the pathway to, to getting flavors in a bourbon like this, where I'm not currently, would be to try a lot of different things. You think that just repetition would, would open the door a little bit too? I think so. I And I think tonight proved that huh. for me, because like I say, I looked at my previous okay. review of it. I didn't note banana, but I tasted banana tonight. Um, I noted chocolate before. Well, yeah, but how many other whiskeys and bourbons have you had between then and now oh, is, is what I'm wondering. Not many. Is your palate not developing many. because of variety or is it because? I guess that's hard to say. I haven't had many, but, but does it necessarily Don't get me mean wrong. you need to I'm going to do, do both. Yeah. I, I, oh yeah. No, I, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this bottle and I'm going to try a lot of other ones too. I'm in it for the win, but I think a lot of, a lot of whiskey tasting is based on comparisons. Yeah. And this to me is why like, uh, I guess professional whiskey tasters, like it's what makes them professional, I guess. For me, like drinking a whiskey is very situational. Like, yes. Sometimes just because it's a different day, or maybe I ate something different earlier, it just, to me, whiskeys can change just based on the situation. And so a lot of the times it's sort of like if you drink a whiskey in three or four different situations, it's the things that keep popping up. Those are really the true whiskey notes. It's sort of like, you know, back in the day, dating a girl. It's like, okay, you got the first date. Okay, this is how she is, right? And then maybe like a couple weeks later, this is how she is. And then, okay, so maybe she spends the night at your apartment. This is how she is. And then, okay, maybe she becomes your wife. This is how she is. A lot of times to understand a whiskey, you do have to drink it throughout uh, an expanded amount of time and even several different bottles. And then you sort of get like an average of, okay, this is what this whiskey means, you know? And when I go to the store and I'm going to pick a bottle out, I'm thinking about like a couple single notes for each bottle that's like, do I want a peppery bourbon? Do I want a sweet bourbon? Yeah, Do I want a fruity I agree with bourbon? That. Like I'm thinking like what is the big idea? What's the thesis statement of this bourbon? 
And to do that, you have to really drink that bourbon, I think, over a, a extended period of time. Thesis statement. Mm. Even as the voice of the whiskey noob here, I, I noticed that there's uh, the that picture that I sent you guys recently. It was the um, Elijah Craig. Yeah, yeah. The Elijah Craig mm-hmm. uh, um, barrel proof, I think, is what probably it's called. barrel proof. Probably yeah, getting that yeah, wrong. Makes sense. But it was uh, it, it's a very high high proof uh, whiskey. And I noticed even with that, as as the voice of the noob here, that my appreciation of that depended upon my mood. Like I remember the first time that I had that, I was like, "This is shit." <laughs> I remember a little bit later, I was thinking, "I, I want to have one drink and to feel it, and I want a little bit of burn." And I poured it, and it's weird to be able to have that specific of a desire. But I was at work; it was late. I, I was not happy to be at work. That I don't. Late. No, I don't I think that's weird at all. Done. I don't think that's weird at all. It's like every man thinks back of those like those old western movies, you know, where he like he gets his shot and he hammers it down. He's like ah, you know, and then he ah, goes out and like kills yeah. some dude, you know. And it's like sometimes you want to have like that. I'm about to kill a dude, whiskey, you know. Like I'm about. Right. To, I'm about. Yeah. To, I'm about <laughs> yes. to shoot someone. Yes. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I'm about to file my tax now. <laughs> I, um, I'm about to file my taxes. File the fuck out of these taxes. Great. These taxes aren't going to see it fucking coming. <laughs> I wanted something that would really, really punch, and I poured, uh, uh, I think it was just a finger of it, and I had it, and it was like, this is phenomenal. And that was the night I sent you guys that picture. I was like, yeah. this is this is good. And that was, again, over a one-week period, the same whiskey went from being shit in my book to this is good. Yeah. And that to yeah. me is very interesting because I know that means that was all in my brain. That was all mood-based. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think whis- I think a big part of it is your mood, what kind of what you want, what's going on. You know, that whiskey, by the way, that Elijah Craig barrel proof, that was 123 proof, right? It was some good shit. Yeah. 60, 60 some odd percent. Yeah. That's heavy. That's, that's spicy, that's, bro. Yeah, ma'am. And it's not expensive. Elijah Craig's not bad, and it's for the most part they are. Good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's probably twice the cost of this bottle, I think. But um, you know, in terms of where we've gone in the past and where I've gone on my own, it's not that bad. I mean, it's like for what you're getting, because you can drink that slowly, very slowly, if you want to. Um, now, as the whiskey noob, you understand what barrel proof means. I know that it was something that was done to raise the alcohol content, but I don't know the specifics. Well, it's something that was not done that raises the alcohol process. Okay. So barrel proof means that your whiskey is the proof that it is when it came out of the barrel. Oh, as in the distiller did not add any water to tone it down. It is not cut with water. Yeah. Um, One of the master distiller's main jobs is to uh, balance proofage. And they can't control that because different barrels evaporate at different levels, depending on if they're in the top of the rickhouse or at the bottom of the rickhouse and what kind of temperatures they're exposed to. And so what they'll do is they'll take these whiskeys and like Woodford Reserve is always 90.4 proof. So they'll, you know, whatever comes out of the barrels, they then cut it with water. Yours was uncut, which is what gives you that weird proof number that was like, I think it was like 123 point something. Yeah. It's also called uh, cask strength. I've heard it called cask strength as well. Barrel proof. Same thing. Yeah. Wow. I've had two glasses of this Woodford Reserve, and I'm very happy with that. Good. Good. That's good. So I have a special drop for Corrales' Pub Trivials. You ready? Oh, shit. Before we drop, how did I do? Was that, was that okay? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Krause, how did Freedom do? No, I, I like that you really went in and looked at the history of the distillery. That's that's a great idea. That's something I should probably do a better job of. So I'm going to try to bring more of that in next time we look at another whiskey. But, nah, well, I that, thought you did a really good job. I like learning about okay. Woodford. Okay, yeah, thank and, you. And Woodford, really, for me, Woodford is not a bourbon I'm really very um, uh, familiar with. I think the last it's time I had for me. Woodford it's was maybe – and so, and see, that's why I, I think this switcheroo kind of thing can be good, especially, honestly, especially for the whiskeys, because it helps me understand, like, you know, it's a, it's a bourbon that I'm not that familiar with. I probably haven't had it since I was in college. So that was a long time ago. And when we do another switchery bobbery, I, I know what my next one is going to be for the switchery bobbery. It's going to be another good one. Maybe one you haven't had. Cool. Okay. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. So, I, like, I'm I'm definitely game for you know switching it up sometimes. Good deal. You know, freedom. I gotta say, in previous episodes, you've been pretty hard on Janet. Do you remember this? I've been hard Janet. on Janet. 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 Yeah. Who's yeah. You Janet? know, our official 1068 cyborg that reads the intro to your pub trivia oh, segment. Janet. I didn't know that was <laughs> yeah. Janet. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> But I just want you to understand, it is so hard to get good voice work from a cyborg. It, it's just, it's I not am, easy. I'm intrigued I don't, already. I don't know if you understand that. Oh, okay. God. And to really drive the point home, as we top off our glasses for a Corrales's Pub Trivial segment, I'm afraid I have to share with you some voice work done by Janet's less updated cousin, Martin. Oh, God. <laughs> Take it away, Marty. It's time for Corrales's Pub Trivials. In this segment, the 1,068 pubcasters will tackle some of life's hardest questions. Like... Pour a drink, throw a drink. What's the other thing that we do the drink? Important questions, like... Who wants to guess how many emails my wife still has unread on her phone? Or... Is PBR light beer or not? Or even... <laughs> is that natural gas? So, if you've ever stared into the cosmic abyss and pondered... Epona? Epona? Oh, what's it called? Aponia? Apona? Aponia? Help me out here, bro. Apona? Aponia? 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 We'll go with Aponia. Aponia? Then stay tuned for Coralis's Pub Trivia. Coralis's Pub Trivia. Coralis. Coralis. The fuck is a Coralis? Alright, guys. It's Welcome you, to Cor- Coralis's uh, Pub Trivia. <laughs> Personally, I was a big fan of the 1068 Pubcasters. Oh, I missed oh, that. that. I, I didn't even laughing. I missed that part, too. Oh. 1068. Yeah. Damn uh, welcome to the 1068 Pubcast, bitches. <laughs> there you go. It's, oh, you I go. bet that's how stay, our listeners Stay tuned it. for 1069. Oh. oh, man. So, we're going to, like, ponder some shit now, right? Yeah, of course. All right. Okay. Yeah. In the abyss. Yeah. In the abyss. We're all right. We're staring into the abyss. So here's what I'm gonna do. We're gonna do a low level one. All right. And then we're gonna work our way up to the uh, a brain fuck question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm ready. Let's do it. My first question for you. All right. So when I'm leaving school, some days, especially days when I'm trying to get to a deer stand real quick, when I actually get to leave basically when the kids are leaving uh i have to go through like several areas where i have an opportunity to let people out all right now i personally follow the you let one person out then you go on about your business rule because if everybody did that traffic would flow smoothly my question to you guys is when you're driving and you run you've got incoming traffic and they're waiting to pull out 
and there's a line of people, maybe four or five people. How many is enough? And how many is too much? Because if you let everybody out, you've got a line of people behind you that are sitting here. They didn't have any say in the matter. You didn't ask them if <laughs> right. they wanted to be nice yeah, today. Yeah. You know, so yeah, so yeah. what what so again, my rule is you let one person out, you move on, right? Um yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts on this? Man, that's a good question. I, I'm I have a lot of opinions on this actually. Yeah, I've got <laughs> I, I, I have to Oh jeez. I have to be honest. There and this does not make Miliarda look good, but there are days where I'll be like, fuck, fuck all those people <laughs> and I will slam on the gas and be like, fuck you guys. I mean, there are days where I'm just I don't give a shit and I feel well, bad about that. To be now, fair, but not at the to time. be fair, you do live in the north now. That's the way of your people. That's true. Yeah, I would probably be like shunned if I didn't act like a dick in the highway. But <laughs> <laughs> In general, I'm with you. Like, if I'm in a normal state of mind, if I'm not in a, in a hurry, if I'm not, if, if shit hadn't gone wrong that day or whatever that makes me feel like that, I let one person go. And I personally think that if you start releasing the hounds and letting all those fuckers go, then you are actually <laughs> you're part taking of the problem. away from the libertarian. <laughs> yeah, you're taking away from the libertarian rights of those behind you. And uh, I think the one to one ratio is good. I'm with you, man. Okay. Okay. Freedom. So for me, I, yeah, it, it seems like there's got to be there, there's factors that play into it. Yeah, if there's a line of people, I am definitely okay with the one to one thing. Um, but that's only if they're turning right. Okay, you know so saying? they're turning. Yeah, they're with you. If they're turning left, I'm like, nah, I ain't got time for that shit. So I'm doing the gas thing. I'm like, if you're turning left. <laughs> Bro, you're gonna you have to find wait. somebody nicer than me, man. Because I'm like, nah, uh-uh. I'm not gonna. Because you know what happens here in the South is they'll cut out, they'll get out in front of you, and if oncoming traffic is still going, it's like, well, shit, I'm fucked, and I'm still the yeah. person that looks bad because I let the person come out in front of me, and everybody behind me is gonna wait. So if they're turning left, nah, that ain't nope. I'm gonna block you because I I don't have time for that. But if you're I mean that's their right, fault for turning left, right? Turn right, uh, do a yeah. U-turn. Bitch. Like, don't be <laughs> selfish. You don't fucking turn Stop left. Stop being yeah. selfish. Yeah. Go to Scotland where they don't have left. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? It's like maybe I they got that would, backwards, but they, that, yeah. doesn't Scotland only have roundabouts? Like they don't do the the whole turn opposite direction thing. Um, really? Am I wrong about that? That's a thing. Well, they, well, I feel well like, remember in Ireland, it was very similar. I feel like, I feel like Scotland similar. tried really fucking hard. Yeah, they tried really fucking hard to not make. Okay, is it a left? Which which side of the road are you driving on? First off, you're driving on the left hand side of the road, so that means okay. that the roundabouts so, so, are turning left. Yeah, I feel like they try really hard to make right turns. In that case, not a thing, and they just put roundabouts fucking everywhere. They to are just everywhere. make there not be right turns. I don't know about Scotland, yeah, but Ireland, they're yeah. they're all over Ireland. The place. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Man, I'd hate to be the person that drove in Ireland with damn roundabouts everywhere. And not only that, there are two lanes. So if you don't make that first turn and you stay yeah, in and the none of them are the lane, actual width of a vehicle, at. by the way. None of yeah, them are the too. actual width of a vehicle. I'm telling you, fifty years ago, three three guys that mattered in Ireland were drinking Guinness and being like Man, how how many guys do you let out when somebody wants to go? Is it one? Is it two? Uh, and they were talking about this like, fuck it, let's do roundabouts fuck every it. fucking way. Fuck, fuck it, it. we we'll do a Ireland roundabout. 
Yeah. <laughs> that was those were spot on accents, by the way. I love it. it yeah, yeah spot man, on. in Ireland. Oh, in man. Ireland, man. <laughs> yeah, man. In Ireland, man. <laughs> and cue the music. Oh, man. And that's where you input it, right there. Yeah, you're gonna have to cut some music right. in there. Miliorda, don't let me right. down. Master right. editor. <laughs> Kill Corny. Kill Kenny? Kill Corny, right? Freedom? Wait a minute. What? Kill Corny. Kill Kenny. Kill Corny, right? That's not a place. Kill Corny. Kill Kenny? Kill Corny, right? Freedom? Wait a minute. What? Kill Corny. Kill Kenny. Kill Corny, right? Wait, is that a place? Yeah. In Ireland. Do it in your Irish accent. Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. That was good. Yeah, do that again. Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. Your Irish Jamaican accent. Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. Nailed it! Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. Didn't you guys, like, piss off every balcony? Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. There are lots of red breasts in Ireland. Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. I think at the end of every rainbow. Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. It's a woman's ass, right? Like, yeah, man. In Ireland, man. That's what woman poop looks like. Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. That's what she said. What else? Here's how you always know when a Jamaican accent is just going to be shitty. It's when they put man <laughs> at the end of it. Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. I think I do a pretty bad Jamaican accent, man. Yeah, pretty bad, man. Pretty bad. <laughs> and they'll usually put Jamaica because everyone can say Jamaica like a Jamaican. No one can say, say anything else like a Jamaican. Do it in your Irish accent. Man. Your Irish Jamaican accent. Man. I'm pretty sure it's the fat funk. Man. Wow. Close enough. Jamaica. Okay, so beer number four is the red stripe, man. Jamaica. I got a, an Indian <laughs> accent from you. Jamaica. It was like an Indian <laughs> trying to be Jamaican. Jamaica. That was good. Yeah, do that again. Jamaica. My wife says that when I do a Jamaican accent, I sound Irish. Jamaica. Red stripe. Jamaican for beer. Jamaica. What's that supposed <laughs> to be Jamaican? Jamaica. No, that's supposed to be an Irishman enjoying a Jamaican beer. Jamaica. So, apparently I nailed it. Jamaica. Dude, y'all. Wow. Well, what's left? On it. Uh, so to the whiskey mug. Oh, shit. That's exactly what I was thinking, Miliano. Oh, shit. Hello, this is Bob Marley. That was a Jamaican answering service. Hello, this is Bob Marley. Mon. You're not fooling me. Mon. This is Bob Marley. Mon. I'm not impressed. Mon. Cranking up my car to make some toast. So where are you in India and what's the weather like? I'm telling you, toaster in India doesn't make sense to me. They have toasters, Freedom. Jeez. Do you even know where India is on a map? Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. Jamaican for beer. Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. You be drinking whiskey, man. Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. Rock band, eh? Rook band. Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. Those Mexicans north of the border. Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. I do declare. <laughs> yeah, man. In Ireland, man. Mowing my lawn. Jamaica. Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. Avi the mirror. Jamaica. Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. <laughs> Jamaica. Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. Hey, yo. Jamaica. Yeah, man. In Ireland, man. I've got a popsicle in my pocket. <laughs> Uh, guys, I'm pissing in my sink right now. That can be part of our Scottish accent later. Talk about Vidmir Brothers. Excellent Scottish accent. Redbreast. Jamaican for Irishwoman's 70-year-old boobs. 
No. Yeah. No. 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 There's like a the way. No. How do they say no? No. Is it no? No. 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 There's like a. Oh my. No. We are so shitheads, we should stop. Alright, so so, so cool, yeah, so we're kind of on the same page there. I and that doesn't so. make you I a dick, so. right? For like, just, because cause no. that's the problem, like, no. you get that one, you, that you let that one person out, and then the person behind them's like, oh, fuck yeah, like, here's a nice person, no, and you're no. like, no. You ride the bumper, and then you flip off the second person, no. <laughs> you have to be nice to the first person, and an asshole to the second, you that's the rule. You have to be so and that's and that's dominant. normal. So like, so that's yeah. not that's not just me then. If no, if that second no. person thinks they have a right to go, you have the right to no. throw a tomato at their car. Let's make <laughs> a that tomato. Okay. America, America. <laughs> that's, just that's roll my do, window America. down and chunk a random yeah. tomato at their car. It's very specific. <laughs> freeze it. Let's call it, freeze the tomato. Let's cause some damage, people. Let's, let's make this happen. Can I can I throw any other vegetables or is tomatoes only? It's the most effective. No, just, uh, yeah, the tomato only yeah. tomatoes. Okay, that's good to I know. Like, See, I feel like if you're trying to chunk a fucking watermelon, <laughs> if you're trying to chunk watermelons from your car, you're just gonna miss. So you're gonna, let's, make, right. let's keep it you're tomatoes. gonna break shit. Yeah. Yeah. it's one or the other. You're gonna break something. Right. Gonna miss. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Question number two. Then. So this one's gonna be a sports one. All right. Which uh, both of you guys are more well-versed, I believe, in sports than I am. So, um... I sport from time to time. So you sport from... You've been known to sport? I have been known to go with the sport. I'm a, I'm a DDR fan. Yeah. So... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Well played. So... Throwback. Right, so tomorrow, like, the BCS powers that be or whatever meet, and they're going to decide who makes it into basically the quarterfinals, I guess, is what it is equivalent to, to the get to uh, the semi. championship, right? Or semifinals. Semi- yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Semifinals, yeah. So the the big debate, I think, this year is kind of what to do about Alabama um, because I think technically Alabama has a worse record than uh, – I don't understand the situation completely, but basically they aren't really – in the top four anymore, but they have a this, really strong yeah. team. And mm-hmm. so the big debate apparently is kind of, should it be based on who has the best resume or who has the best record? Well, define resume. Well, they're basically defining resume based upon, from my understanding, the fact that they play, they have the heart, they have one of the hardest schedules in college football. And so, even though I mean, they, they don't... play real teams and not like Notre right. Dame, for instance, yes, yeah. okay, yes, for sure. instance, yes, you you are definitely picking up <laughs> right. what I'm putting down. So, <laughs> the question, I guess, with college ball is in a in a situation where you have so many teams, and you have some amazing teams that because of their schedule and because of their region, they don't come into contact with other amazing teams. You get this sort of complicated question of. Do you base the fine the semifinals and or the playoffs basically on seasonal performance, or do you base it on quality of opponents? Thoughts. Do you do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I, I want I want you to take this and. Right. And there's a secondary question here: Is there a way to do it better? Is there a way to make college football? 
more like professional football. Specifically, is there a way to make the BCS championship actually a championship and not Alabama versus Notre Dame, for instance? Well, and and is there a way is there a way to make the college championship? I guess this is really my question. Is there a way to make the college championship so like transparent? Yeah, transparent in a way that you don't have people debating in bars for years after if it was done correctly or not. I think that's what they're working up to, in my opinion, because this is only the second or third year of the college championship because the BCS is done away with. So, I mean, it's unfair to say that, not saying that what you're saying is unfair, but I think it's unfair in general to say that that it won't, that it can, that it can't get better because it can, um, I think it can get better. I think that's kind of part of the trial and error of the college football championship is, um, but the problem is they don't really, in my opinion, they don't really specify. They're not transparent on what makes a number one versus a number two, or, you know, I think they, they, they use language like strength of schedule and, um, then their record. And, and I'll give you an example. So you've got, uh, Alabama, for example, Who's uh-huh. who's currently? I think they're eleven and one, right? And their one loss was to a top ten ranked Auburn team. Auburn beat them yeah, which last got week, which so. got absolutely smoked tonight by UGA. Yeah, and UGA beat the crap out of Auburn. Exactly, the number sixteen. But in a previous game earlier in the year, Auburn smoked Georgia. Okay, right. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I mean, a lot of things like that take take. It has to be taken into consideration. But then you've also got the number one ranked team in the college football playoff, who is Clemson. Clemson is 11 and one as well. And their one loss was a abysmal Syracuse team who has a losing record. I want to say they're four and eight or something like that. A yeah, horrible team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the number four ranked team in the entire country, who is Wisconsin, who's 12 and 0. Hasn't lost a game, so why would they be number four versus number one because they're twelve and zero? Well, because right. strength, the strength of, of their opponents, right? So it all plays right. parts into it. It just doesn't make sense how they're saying their strength of schedule is worse than having a loss for Clemson, for example. That Clemson's loss was to a really bad team, but the rest of their schedule right. is good enough to compensate for that one loss to rank them higher than Wisconsin. It's not very clear. You know what I mean? And right. I think that's what they tried to accomplish with the BCS. They had some kind of ranking and mathematics incorporated with how people, not people, how teams were ranked. But I never really understood how, how they came out with a, that ranking based on mathematics and Well, and I whatever. guess that was don't, my question. No, 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 no. Don't, don't use mathematics with BCS. Mathematics is pure... Don't bastardize mathematics with the crap that was the subjective BCS rankings process. I, okay. I can't. I can't go there. But but didn't they? they <laughs> but didn't they have like, you know, Alabama I'm was like I'm hyperventilating over here. Was like ninety six percent or something like that. But they used some kind of mathematics. So they had like a evaluation. So did they have an algorithm? Right? So is there saying. an algorithm? Is there an algorithm now? Here's the thing. If you're evaluating the strength of a schedule or the quality of a team to a a different team that they have not played, it's basically just what you think. I mean, it's like 
you could pump whatever factors you want into an algorithm, but at the end of the day, what is going to come out is going to have the same bias as the programmers. So, I mean, yes, there were probably formulas they used in the BCS, but they were evaluating teams that had never played. And I'll be upfront. I have always had a huge SEC bias. I believe the SEC is the greatest football division on this great planet Earth that we share. Yeah, hands But down. at the same time... No, doubt. No, any, no one's arguing with you. This is a safe space. This is a safe <laughs> space for you, Miliardo. But at the same time, I have family who are big uh, West Virginia fans, and they would greatly disagree with that. And so, I mean, it's like, if I were the person that was creating this recipe for determining the value of a team, I'm sure my end result would be very different than than somebody who was a West Virginia fan or a Big Ten fan. Because at the end of the day, if the teams have not played each other, you have no fucking idea. Right. I mean, Alabama could make Georgia look like lapdogs, whereas somebody else who made Notre Dame look stupid, Georgia would have beat the shit out of them. So even right. comparing like Comparing performance on the field doesn't even work because performance on the field is dependent upon game flow, which is dependent upon the overall quality of the matchup. Well, and different teams have different heritages and coaching styles too. So like there's – Yeah, there's, and different, there different, different divisions have different play styles. There is definitely – SEC is yeah, running like, back heavy. Exactly. And exactly. they always there are been. There are lineages. There are lineages in play style. And I agree, Miliardo. I think if teams have never come into contact with one another, then who the hell knows what's going to happen? Um, so can you fix it? Are you saying you can't fix it? No, I think you can. How do you fix it? Well, if there was a sport that was, let's say, in college that had already figured this out, it would just be like a slam dunk type of answer. <laughs> I don't know. Like Maybe if there was some sort of madness that we could have in March. Or, I mean, December, sorry. Right, that, right had figured this out to December where madness. people weren't debating it. You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Like, if only there was some system we could look to that already worked, that made sense. So why do, why do you think Am football... Am I being an idiot here? Why do you think football doesn't use the basketball model? I have no fucking idea. I legitimately have no fucking idea. The March Madness makes so much sense to me. It takes all the teams and puts them in a fucking pot and says, go at it. And you know what? You do have weird shit. Like, you have a 30 seed or whatever. I don't know how deep it goes. Let's say a 20 seed team upsetting a two seed team. That happens. It's but what it makes it so much fun. The 20 seed team. Well, it happened because the 20 seed team played had something that the, the other team had never seen. And they before. won. Yeah. But here's the problem though. How do, how do you, how do you distinguish a 16 seed to a one seed? Well, basketball does it. That's my point. It's the same universities. It's the same scope. It's the same country. And so I don't see why you couldn't do the same exact thing with football. It's still got to be some kind of logic behind it, though, because NCAA basketball has a system where they still have to place a number next to a team. But how do they do that? Is it perfect? Is it imperfect? Because there's still debates on whether you know, it's an imperfect you're, you're system You're probably right. Too. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's still subjectivity. Yes, because they use the same – Strength of schedule always plays a part in NCAA basketball as well. And when you're talking about yeah. March Madness, yeah, you're, right. you're only talking you're about right. the top 64 teams. The remaining 65-plus don't get invited to March Madness. They go to the NIT or nothing. But think about what that means, though. Think about how if you're not in the top 64, how likely is it that you would actually beat number one? You know what I mean? Uh, it would be it would be un- unlikely. 
It would be. As you stretch that scope, like as you make that tree bigger and bigger, the chance of of you being able to upset the apple cart all the way to the end just goes away. Whereas March Madness is a perfect example of how you could be someone who's perceived to be number 15 or whatever, and you can go all the way up. Whereas in college football, that just doesn't happen. It can't happen. The only I mean, I, I'll I can... agree with you, Miliardo. I don't think there's a perfect system, but I like the idea of teams from across the country coming together head-to-head that have maybe never – experienced that type of gameplay before like that really appeals to me you know like i would love to see what usc versus the bastard usc what would that actually look like you know right i think the cox would burst the trojans if you know what i'm saying (laughs) hey i mean you know i'm I'm not so that's funny i like that I just had to say it. I don't know if it would actually happen. Uh, I This year, I don't think so. I'm with you, Freedom. I'm with you. Yeah. But the one example I would give where like a, a non-top 64 team would beat a number one team was back in 2010. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I, I know this fact randomly because I think I've had this conversation before, but um, a non a, a team that ended up going to the NIT, which was outside of um, outside of the top 64 – in the regular season, beat the number one team, which was Kentucky. Ended up not even making it to the NCAA tournament. You know who that team was? Who was that team? The Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, yeah, I kind of remember that now. Just just saying. It's not beyond the realm of possibility, but yeah, I get it. The system wouldn't have to still be flawed because think about it. The Gamecocks, had they been in that bracket – they wouldn't have only had to have beaten Kentucky a second time. They would have had to have beaten all the other teams on the path to Kentucky. And could they actually have done that based on where they were perceived to have been? Could they actually have beaten all the other teams on the path to Kentucky, you know? And then could they have beaten Kentucky a second time? Kentucky probably would have been the first team they came oh, to. Oh, because of region? Well, no, because it's usually top seed versus bottom seed. And if the Gamecocks were at the lower yeah. echelon... They would have probably been a 16 or 15 well, still, seed. And well, they would still, have faced could, a one seed. Could they have beaten Kentucky? And then could they have beaten all a second time? And could they have beaten all the teams on the pathway? You know, probably not. Probably not. So, so here's the, here's the deal. But you could say that for any team. Sure. So I think the I think the NCAA basketball model. I think it produces a more clearly defined champion. However. It does not produce as clearly defined overall like rankings at the end of the year as the football model does currently. That's what I think. The only problem I have with it, the way that they consider the rankings. So, you know, say for example, the uh, you know Team A played their first game of the year and they were unranked, but they played the number one ranked team. Number one ranked team got beat by this unranked team. And at the end of the year, the preseason number one team was a piece of shit team. And they lost most of their games. They consider that for that win for that unranked team to still have a lot of meaning because they were a number one ranked team at the beginning of the year. Whereas when you get the whole picture of that team by the end of the year, they were actually pretty crappy 
How do, okay. you know what I mean? They they right. consider that as a quality win. Right. Quotations, right? Around quality win, whatever that means, but because they were number one at the time, you know. So that part I don't really understand. But it plays a factor in how they people get ranked in there. Yeah. Does that answer your question? <laughs> no, not at all. Here here's not uh, at all. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but I didn't expect that it would. I think this is something we'll be debating for a while. I think you guys were definitely on point. Don't get me wrong. I just like so here's what I'm taking out of what, what we just talked about. There is no way to get rid of subjectivity. Agree. I agree with Miliardo. I think I think March Madness is just so much more interesting. And I think I would enjoy a college playoff like that. 64 teams? Yeah, 64 teams. You heard me, Freedom. I'll let you move on. But it's not far-fetched. There's actually a coach that's still in the NCAA football uh, realm that's been asking for that since, like, 2008. So it's not far-fetched. Like, there are Good. other people that Let's share that it. same, yeah, a 64-team playoff. Yep. I think that would be interesting to see. Well, did you have one more question, Corrales? All right. So which one matters to you more, doing things right or doing the right things? Mm, I understand. It took me a long time yeah. to get that. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I was, I, I was thinking maybe my Xbox died. No, I didn't know no. what happened there. <laughs> it is a deep question. You're talking about is it important to follow the right process or to get the right results? However, you well, define that. Is I don't that what know. you meant? I don't know. I don't know well, if that's necessarily. When I say do the right thing, I don't necessarily mean get the right results. I mean do the thing that is morally correct. Right. So say ethics is your thing. Get the right result just means get the ethical result you're going for. Yes. Yeah. So getting the ethical result you're going for versus doing the right steps ethically and getting the wrong ethical result. Yeah. In a way, it's the old kind of idea of means versus ends, which one matters more. Yeah. And you could also put it like, is it better to do the incorrect thing the right way, or is it more important to just do the I'm right thing? I'm a big means guy, and this is just this is built into me so so hard. I, I don't know if I can take that out. It's yeah, I just said a lot of gay shit, didn't I? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I heard freedom chuckling. Um, How do you know that was freedom? Freedom, you're in charge of making the video, making the yeah. or not the video, the remix. Right. No, he oh, can make okay. a video too. I, that might that might be good. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. That'll be hilarious. Go viral. Yeah. I just imagine like the butters the butters episode on South Park. The uh, I've what got what in the butt? In my front pocket for you. Oh, okay, yeah. No, nah, the what what in the butt video, what, man. What in the butt. What what? But no, I yeah. like yeah. getting the ends without the means means you're lucky or a shithead. Like ideally, you want to always have the means and get the ends. But to me, means means your heart was in the right place if you're doing the right steps if you're making the correct actions so even if you mess up but you but you mess up wholeheartedly like you mess up giving it your very best that's better than doing the right thing in the first place um that's that's okay i i can say that if you did your best and did the right thing that would be better than doing your best and failing to do the right thing however 
Okay. Doing your best and failing to do the right thing is better than not doing your best and somehow lucking into the right thing. That's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Okay. Makes All sense. Right. Yeah, no, it does make sense. I and I and I think you put it pretty well. Sometimes you can do the right thing accidentally. And that doesn't really mean a whole lot as far as any type of judgment of your character. But right. to wholeheartedly right. commit to the things that you're doing, to me, that says a lot more about who you are as a person. Even if maybe you are going down the wrong road, to me, it is better to struggle and go down the wrong road than to easily walk down the right road. And I got to say, I think what you're saying, what I'm saying is a bit of a new idea. I mean, really? I mean, just think about the Victorian age. I mean, I, th I think the whole concept of actions versus appearances, maybe do it, like the, the way you are versus the way you appear to be. I think the way you are mattering more than the way you appear to be, which would be the way that that would be the result. The way you appear to be would be the result. I think that's a relatively newer idea philosophically, at okay. least in terms of the culture, caring more about who you are at heart versus who you are at the end of the rope, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Freedom? What was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to make that sound like a dick, but I was trying to listen to all the different things. What was the original right. question, though? All right. So to you, which is more important? Doing things right or doing the right things? Okay, so doing doing the right things is where I'm at, in a nutshell. Okay. <laughs> I agree with everything you guys are saying. It's doing things, doing the right thing, not doing things right, doing the right thing. I'm a moral. I feel like I have. We're, we're uh, on the other side. We're saying. Yeah, we're really? doing things right. Yeah. We're doing, doing things right. right. Okay. I'm Wait, hang on, right hang on, hang on, hang on. I think this is a I felt like... thing. So, okay. so Freedom, you, you were saying that the action you were taking was was more important than the result. Or were you saying that the result was more important than the action you were taking? No, the result, the result. You're saying the result, okay. Yeah. That's okay. the opposite. Okay. Yeah, I that's like the opposite. So maybe it is the opposite. How, yeah, so like how it. so? And at the end of the day, I'm with Miliardo. I mean, doing I'm, both are, you know, if you didn't have to I mean, choose, both would be the way to go. But I don't really know how to elaborate on that. But it, it, I can't even think of a good example, really. I told you guys. I'm really I told you I was going to start you on easy, and then good, I was going to fuck your brains. Question. I feel lubed, though. I appreciate that. Had I not been lubed. You feel right. blue. I'd probably feel a little dry. Yeah, no. If I'm gonna God, if I'm gonna screw with your head, like I'll ease it. Right in. now, I'm like, you know what? I didn't see this no, coming. I'll be but a gentle lover. I was ready. Yeah. <laughs> right. No. All right, y'all ready for the last one? Wait, did we resolve this one? I don't know if there is a. Resolve. Not really. Can we resolve yeah, not this? Really. One? I'm curious how anyone could justify. You know, freedom, Krauss, whoever. I'm curious how anybody could justify. Someone who gets the right result, like, and maybe we should bring it to an example. That's what I'm trying to. Think hey, about. I'm waiting. I'm, to... I'm I'm waiting for the quasi philosophy major to uh, put <laughs> put forth some type of uh, well, okay uh, word problem for us to figure this out. Let's say our goal is to end world hunger. Let's just do something that everybody in general would be like, "That's a good right." Ending world okay. hunger. We all call. We can agree that's a good. You know, assuming there isn't some crazy net bad side effect. Ending right. world hunger is a good. So if that's the goal we're shooting for, 
the question basically pans down to, are we saying, is it better to try to end world hunger and fail or to not try to end world hunger and somehow magically succeed? To me, that's what you're saying. And even if you, even if you were a person that somehow magically ended world hunger, but you didn't give a shit to make that happen, it just kind of, you know, let's just say you went out one day and you bought a bunch of stock in something because you wanted to make some money. And somehow that caused a chain effect that ended world hunger. Is that really better than the person who was doing something to actually try to reach that goal and just somehow didn't quite get there or didn't get and come close or whatever? It almost seems like it almost seems equal. In a well, it in a way, are we debating utilitarianism versus like personal responsibility? I don't think so because to me, we're we're debating. Because in your situation, a utilitarian would say, "Well, it's much better to accidentally do the right thing and help a bunch of people than to mean well and fail." Yeah, totally. But at the same time, we're not valuing the the path of action. We're valuing the moral weight of the individual. We're we're valuing the person. Who bought this? Because that's that was the point. Obviously, the utilitarian would say, "Do the path that gets to ending world hunger," but that's that's right. not what we're trying to do. We're trying to we're trying to evaluate the morality of the person who was not trying to do so and just lucked into it versus the person who was trying to do so and couldn't get there. That's the real comparison yeah. we're trying to make. So it doesn't really get into utilitarianism. Well, and I guess what makes me think of this is like. In my students, like I have some students that, you know, like teaching honors classes, I have some students that struggle to succeed in class, but I have a much more positive appreciation of them than I do the students that don't struggle and just sort of haphazardly do well because they have talent. Yeah. The gifted slacker versus the hardworking um, mediocre, less gifted. Yeah. Academic. Yeah. yeah. Like I, to me, yeah. hard work is much more important to me than, than just the talent that you have, you know, in certain cases. So if LeBron James <laughs> and I like it. hardworking Corrales, Corrales worked really hard <laughs> at becoming a great basketball. You know what I mean? Oh, I love this. I love it. Yeah, yeah, keep no, going. Who's keep going. going to get picked up by an NBA team? I mean, <laughs> good effort, Corrales. Oh, man. Right. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thanks. A for effort. A for effort. <laughs> There's two different there's two different ways to view all these different individuals and that is on a kind of philosophical moral value that doesn't matter right and on a practical value exactly like, obviously the the result so LeBron's going to kick my ass more. on a practical perspective well think about it on a practical scale the result always matters more than the means but you don't want to be like hey kids the result <laughs> matters more than the means because that's not – in general, that's not the best way to get the result. In general, the best way to get the result is to do the means that gets you that result. And that doesn't mean it's always going to happen. But like the the general pathway to, to success has got to be the people that put a genuine effort. 
You know what right. I mean? And that, yeah. And so so at the end of the day, Corrales, if more people were working on doing things correctly, we would have more positive gains than if everyone did the right thing. I was going to give the I example so. of I, I think so. I, if you I have, understand that makes sense to me. If you have the student, for example, that works really hard at getting a good grade, the good grade is the good like end result, right? But if well, I would say to get a good that, understanding would be the end result, but yes. Well, but on paper... No, I agree with freedom. It depends on who you ask. In this case... In this, in this case, case that I'm giving... The grade is the result. Just just, just hang with me just one second. Yeah, the, the grade is the good is result, the but the means of getting that result okay. is cheating on every test... <laughs> <laughs> well, that, if you go that route well yeah. that's not you know what i mean okay yeah so <laughs> that wouldn't be doing things the right way exactly exactly right. but you could still get the right result but you, you could get, get the right result. result right and in general you should encourage everyone to do the correct pathway and then in general the correct pathway would lead to the correct result yes <laughs> which is which is why I think even from the practical perspective, I would want people to do things correctly rather than trying to just worry about doing the correct thing or getting the correct result. Getting the correct because result. Because of the okay, because I'm at the end know. of the day at the end of the day it's going to result in a more positive world because people would be achieving at yes. their highest yeah. levels. Yeah, I can agree okay. with that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So okay, take whatever right, cool. we just we, talked about we and got, give my I think we answer got somewhere according there. to that. There, yeah, I feel like we <laughs> okay. just solved some shit. I feel like <laughs> I feel like world hunger got solved somewhere in there, but then I drank this whiskey and I forgot. Yeah, magical. So, uh oh. If you're gonna do something even deeper than that, I'm gonna need another glass of whiskey because that was deep I'm enough. Not, I'm debating. Are we gonna, gonna, gonna do, are we gonna do Ooh, another gonna question or are we good? If you're doing it, I'm pouring. Uh, the The cap is off right now. Uh, you, I guess I'm pouring. The cap is currently off. All right. I'm hovering. So my last question, I wasn't even sure. And pouring. I wasn't even sure how to ask it, honestly. So let me just talk to you guys a little bit about the scenario that made me think about this. And I think about this a lot because I'm a history teacher. And, and in particular, I teach American history. And... You know, I think every every history has a lot of uh, there's always violence and struggle because uh, human nature is violence and struggle. Um, but I think American history in particular has a lot of violence uh, and struggle. So right now we're talking about the Indian Wars in the 1870s and 80s, um, Custer's Last Stand. The Battle of Little Bighorn, the Battle of Wound- Massacre at Wounded Knee, Crazy Horse, Sitting Bull, Cowboys and Indians. Okay, that's what we're talking about. And we're talking about how these Native American groups were intentionally uh, and increasingly forced onto smaller and smaller Indian reservations, right? And when you look back at the past, of course, you look back and, I mean, like for you guys – when you think about like Sitting Bull and Crazy Horse and you think about Custer, who's the good guy in that situation? I'm going to be real. I thought it was Custard with a D. <laughs> oh, is it okay. actually Custard? Oh we might God. be in trouble with this. We might be in trouble with this question. All right. Well, so- <laughs> I can tell you I'm not in trouble because I need education on it. Okay. I don't, I don't know. The Indians are the Native Americans, right? And we're fighting them because... 
All right, so early in American history, we basically moved Native Americans out of the way. So we would because push Native Americans west because we wanted their land for farming, um, for development, for mining. All right. That sounds pretty selfish. Okay. <laughs> Nudist colonies, you know. Nudist yeah, so we would... Re- so we would... <laughs> So we would remove them. So like that's where you have the Trail of Tears and Indian removal. And we rounded up the Cherokee, the Choctaw, the Chickasaw, the Creek, and the Seminole. And we shipped them out to Oklahoma. Okay? Sort of this idea of, well, we don't live in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Okay, this is going to fall apart. So so basically (laughs) this idea that we weren't living in Oklahoma. So what the heck, we'll just send them there. All right? All right. The problem with that is then we expanded west, right? And as we expanded west, as we go from coast to coast, there is nowhere to move Native Americans to anymore. Like, there, there is no more out of sight, out of mind. You understand what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because right. sure. we now go yeah, from yeah. east coast to We're west coast. We're limited. Unless yeah, we, yeah, unless we give okay. them, unless we give them snorkels and swimmies, we can't, we can't move them further west, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, yeah. So instead, what we begin to do is the period called concentration. We start forcing them into signing these treaties with us, putting them onto these reservations. And one of these Native American groups, the Sioux, and also their counterparts, the Cheyenne, we gave them, quote unquote, because it was their land anyway, but we gave them this huge Indian reservation that stretched over five states. All right, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota. Uh, Montana and part of Colorado. No, part of Nebraska. We're going to need that back later. Can we get that back? Okay, so <laughs> and that's exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. So, <laughs> so, so they get this huge Indian reservation while miners start trespassing on the land and they discover gold, right? So instead of doing the right thing and actually telling these people, hey, we signed a treaty with these natives, you can't be here. Instead, we send the U.S. Army in to protect these miners. And obviously, these natives start attacking the miners that are invading their land. So instead, we push them into a much smaller reservation. And that leads to a series of wars. All right. Then we force them to basically farm on the reservation rather than buffalo uh, hunting, which is how they had lived for hundreds of years. And we shrink their reservation anymore because most of them were horrible farmers and end up having to sell the land back to the American people. Okay. That sounds like their problem, honestly. You know, they can't farm. I'm just kidding. Okay. Continue. So <laughs> I'm drunk. You're making me drink a lot of wood for reserve, all right? All right. So yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. deal with the crappy commentary. In that situation, who's the bad guy? You guys there? I mean Um no, yeah. we're here. I mean Who's being treated unfairly? This is gonna sound super uh dodgy, but how are you defining fair? I'm not defining fair. You get to define okay, fair. Okay, so this is going to sound like a dick. I'm not going to buy into this. You you know, you were here, the land is yours. Okay. So I'm not going to buy into the fact that the land belonged to the Native Americans. Okay. However, that's not going to justify the way you treat a person. All right, go on. So, so are we saying coexist should have happened? Well... I have to believe that the correct answer is if you come onto this land as a white settler, you're as entitled to it as the Native Americans. 
If you're a white settler and you harm a Native American, you're a bad guy. Sure. If you're a Native American and you harm a white settler, you're a bad guy. Yeah, so how, how, or how was it supposed to be where there was a bill of sale for the land? Like, how was there a known, hey, this is mine? It was just, I'm here, it's mine kind of thing, squatter rights type deal? I mean, it was essentially the U.S. government saying, look, we're taking your land. You can even, you could either take this money or not take this money. But we're going to allow these miners to continue to come onto your land. That's essentially what but was But I'm talking about from the Native American point of view. They argue that it was their land based on hundreds of years of... Being there. Of being there. Yeah, yeah. fuck that. And to be okay. honest... Fuck that. And to, <laughs> and to be honest, the Plains Indians, they didn't really have a concept of owning land. I mean, they were a nomadic it just, group. It was just people, there. So, and yeah, it was, it, it's like, this is where like we it, live. Right? Yeah. Although, okay. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, before whites came west, like the Sioux had taken a bunch of land from the Crow, which is why when we went west, the Crow sided with us. And we're like, yeah, we'll help you fight these Sioux bastards, right? Oh, wow. I feel like there's got to be more to this than just miners, because if, if they were mining for gold, who the fuck cares? You know what I mean? But like, it's on my land, that bro. Point, Screw you. <laughs> so so if somebody was digging a big hole in your backyard <laughs> looking for gold. I'm going gold mining in Miliardo's backyard tomorrow. That's the first thing and he I'm better doing not say shit did. to me about it. I'm about to go dig some holes. Hey bro. <laughs> it's okay. It's December. You can't dig in my backyard. Are you kidding me? It's like five I am feet of ice. A native American. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My point is like to me the fact that a Native American would not allow a miner to come and dig is stupid. But I have a feeling that the miners were doing a lot more than that. They were probably doing shitty things. Too. Oh, well, I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, to be uh, fair, yeah. mining does incredible amounts of damage to your natural resources. Well, it destroys nowadays, your water supplies. What were they? Oh, back then, too. Oh, oh back gold mining then? was horrible. Yeah. They used dynamite and stuff back then. It was messy. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they're living there, too. Whites were massively extinguishing the buffalo. At this time to make way for the railroad. And that was, of course, hurting the Sioux's livelihood. It's just, I guess my point is, it's like when you teach treatment of Native Americans, like clearly, like Native Americans were victimized and they were victims and they were, they were treated unfairly in legal systems and, and, and treated violently. All right. Yeah. At the same time, I am here because of the mistreatment of Native Americans. America is here because of the mistreatment of Native Americans. I guess what I'm saying is, how do we judge the past when it comes to one group acting violently towards another group? How do we judge the past to decide who the good guy and the bad guy is? In what makes a good guy state? a good guy and a bad guy a bad guy? In the past, it's, our history. Oh, in history the past. in general. Oh, okay. Okay. Because on one hand, if you say, well, America was destined to happen, and you kind of support this idea of manifest mm -hmm. destiny, and they were a growing country and we're all better for it, well, then you create a slippery slope because then you create a situation where, well, what's keeping me, since I have more guns than my neighbor, from going and taking my neighbor's stuff. 
because I have more power. So why shouldn't I? I have a destiny to take his things. At the other hand, if you say, well, the poor Native American, right, then you're creating a situation where wouldn't our, if there wasn't struggle and if there wasn't conquest, would that not cause a stagnant economy and a stagnant history, a, a history where without any type of struggle between different groups, there's really no reason to try and uh, evolve, change, improve, modernize, industrialize. So I, I don't know. I don't know if I've been clear with the question. You have been, and I love the question. I think that if you assume that people have always had the same mental capacity, the same morality that we do now, it's hard to answer this. But if you assume that at some point people had zero morality, at some and <laughs> don't even say people because that, that, that term is weighted. At some point, organisms had zero morality and we get to where we are now. It would make sense that if morality at some point comes to be, those moral creatures would look back at previous iterations and say, Man, that was fucked up. <laughs> right. Right? Because you're talking about the evolution of society, basically. Not as organisms, but of society. Well, both. The evolution of, of organisms, but also the evolution of consciousness and society. But physically, the thought process of a man in 1870 is no different than the thought process abilities of me. I don't agree with that. The reason I don't agree with that is because if you believe in organism evolution, you have to also believe in... Um, consciousness evolution, meaning at some point you were zero and at some point you are where we are today. And to believe that at any point in time, it wasn't a steady slope. I don't have a reason to believe that. Meaning that consciousness, morality, opinions, all of that stuff could have been a steady slope from start to finish, finish being where we are today. Right. But if you assume that the moral understanding was consistent, even if you only do it halfway through or, or like a quarter of the way back, it starts to get really hard to understand what made people be the way they were. You know what I mean? Right. Well, and that's the classical argument of like revisionism history versus – Yeah. You know, like a lot of your earlier historians believe that you really couldn't judge the past because you weren't living in the past. Therefore, what do you really know about the thought processes of the people during that time? I've moved. I disagree with that. I've, I, I yeah. disagree with that too. I, I think if we can't judge yeah. the past, then what's the point in studying it? The whole point in studying our past is to plan a better future. Um, so I, I think it's, you know, I think it's, there's perfectly, there's nothing wrong, for example, with me looking back at the past and being like, hey, slavery, well, that was fucked up, you know? Like, there, to yeah. me, there's nothing morally wrong with doing that. If we are, in fact, until core i7 processors in our brains we should be able to judge the shittiness that was pentium you know what i mean yeah we should be able to look back and say that was shitty at the same time you hit these certain points in american history where it's like i find myself judging the things that my forefathers did but at the same time i'm reaping the benefits of it yeah because i'm a part of that country you know in reality, if you weren't here, if somehow the Native Americans had won and it had been a different scenario, 
there would be Native American processors here wondering the same question. You know what I mean? Right. To me, it's it's more it's more about recognizing that not only is the shittiness of the past probable, but it's necessary. Okay. Does that make sense? It does make sense, it does. I, and but it still poses the problem of is it being necessary? Does that make it okay? No, and the reason it doesn't make it okay, I think that it is reasonable to look at the actions of the past, not as, if this happened now, would you do this, but as it is acceptable to recognize that that's what happened and it wasn't horrible to be a part of that. Right. I think saying, if this happened now, would you do this? I think that's a huge straw man. Because I think once somebody had the idea, you throw any idea out there, slavery, once somebody had the idea that that was dumb, once somebody had the idea, hey, women should have rights, as soon as that idea actually comes out and comes to fruition, uh-huh. you can't go back. It's it's over. Right. Even if it takes a lot of time, people realize, yeah, that was a no-brainer. It's really dumb that we didn't think that back then. But at the same time, they factually didn't think that back then. You know what I mean? That right. idea hadn't happened yet. And to judge them prior to that idea happening, I think is unfair. But it's also incredibly fair to judge them in today's context and to say, we can't do that again. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, I, I do. I do. I agree. I think context matters. You're equating ideas to like a genetic mutation. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. I, 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 no, I mean, I understand that. It's, I think that's a reasonable way of looking at it. So you're basically differentiating between uh, judging the person versus judging the actions. And you're saying that you, you can look at the person without judgment, but if you look at their actions, you must judge it because we are in a different place at this point. Exactly. My yeah. grandmother could not turn away from the term Negro, but I would never want to say the word Negro now. I recognize that is not a cool thing to say, but I don't judge her for saying that right. because I understand that that idea had not hit her brain at that point in her life. You know what I mean? Right. I do. I do. I mean, you know, the Seneca Falls Convention, the first all women's convention regarding the women's right to vote. They were almost all women. There were some men there, but they were almost all women, and they only barely decided as a group that they believed that the right to vote should belong to a woman. And this is a group of women wow. that believe that. That's you know? amazing. And that just, that's, that just highlights the fact that it, it, it takes time for an idea yeah. to become socially acceptable. So, cool. All right. Yeah, cool. Appreciate it. I love that question. Okay, well, good. It's I, I think about it all the time, man. <laughs> and I've and my mind has changed quite a bit. I I used to think you could not judge the past; you just couldn't do it. You've said that before, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm more. I feel like we must judge the past. But like you said, I think you can judge the past without judging the individual, and you can judge actions without judging the individual. Yes. Because honestly, I think once you start judging individuals as right or wrong. Um, you've kind of created a situation where you've limited what you can learn from this from the scenario because you're going into it with this already sort of idea of who's wearing the black cowboy hat and who's wearing the white cowboy hat. You know what I mean? 
Yes, and in the sense of like the Native Americans as an example, you have a tribe of technologically advanced at the time, technologically advanced people coming into contact with more primitive, more primitive, like they were generations behind in terms of the curve. You know what I mean? Yes. And not only was that fortunate for you and I, because we're here and we're talking about this, but it was necessary. There was no other way that could have happened. You know what I mean? Right. That doesn't mean the individual actions couldn't have been better. Like when an individual was making a choice, they couldn't have done a better job. I think they probably could have. Yeah. But the net result of white settlers owning this land, I don't think there was any other way that could have happened. Okay. No, and that I agree with. I agree with that. Okay. Cool. Corrales, I appreciate your questions, and I hope that I didn't take them in a dark direction, but like... No, I mean, I think in a way that I, last I didn't one was, think it, uh, was. it was already no. walking the fine line between darkness of human thought, you know, but I mean, and those, are, but those are the questions like, that's the stuff that I deal with every day because the kid, you know, students are, they'll ask me questions like, we should have treated natives better. There's, there should have been a better way. And they're on one hand, I'm like, yeah, you're, you're totally right, kid. There should have been a better way. And there probably was a better way. But then there's another part of me that's like, but I've done this long enough and I've studied these scenarios long enough. I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Miliardo. It, there, the means could have changed, but the ends were destined to be the same. And yeah. to try and convey that to a hopefully idealistic teenager. Yeah, sure. Without crushing their idealism. <laughs> <Without crushing. laughs> uh, can be it, it can be challenging, you know? Yeah. And without them misunderstanding me to basically say that racism's okay cuz that's not that certainly isn't what I would mean either. You know what I mean? It's it's just complicated. Yeah. It's complicated, man. History is Yeah. History is complicated. Human beings, man, we're complicated. Well, think about today like even even in current circumstances without throwing the wrench of history into it. When you start judging the individual versus the actions of the individual, that causes problems now. Right, like, yeah, yeah. You add into that history, and it's just like... <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Hey, Freedom. Yeah. What do you think of Corrales' handling of the pub trivialist? How did Corrales do? No, he did really well. He really did. He, he, he had some straightforward and also thought-provoking questions. And I feel like that's kind of what I would try to do too i'd i'd have my like shotgun questions like a quick answer like you know right off the cuff not a big deal but then ones that you got to think a little bit about in this example much more thought provoking than i feel my questions were which is a good thing so i i i feel like you did a very good job well yeah. thank you for him i appreciate it i can say <laughs> as the guy that did not take over a segment tonight I personally want to take over both segments because you both you both did such a good job. Then I'm like, I want to do this for whiskey and I want to do this for trivials and it's going to be amazing and everyone's amazing. going to be amazing. You know, amazing. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah, it was exactly. a good idea, man. Exactly. I, I like the idea of a little Absolutely. switcheroo every once in a while. I got an idea. You guys ready for this? We're going to – if you guys are up, we're going to play some video games in a second. Yep. Uh, I'm I'm down, but you guys don't I, have to be. But I want to play some Rocket way, on 10, everybody say their favorite video game of all 
time. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's loaded. You guys want a that's few seconds so to think about it? Loaded. No, I don't need to think about it. I well, got it, bro. I got it. You have this, 10 bro. seconds. You have 10 I got seconds it, bro. to think about it. You ready? All right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Super Final Mario Fantasy 07. Golden <laughs> All different Good games. Good. All right, I got Very well done. So, what, what, what was Miliardos? It was uh, Final Fantasy Seven. Yeah. And what was Freedoms? Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario. That's a good one. That's a good one, Freedom. It's the original. That was yeah. my. That's my. That's my second favorite, Freedom. Yeah, Freedom's oh. officially got the oldest one. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's very old, but that's what I started with, and I. I don't know. Yeah. Shit. Uh, Final Fantasy Seven almost killed Miliardo. I thought uh, he was yeah, dead. Yeah, I almost flunked out Either of college for that missing. one. I about put on an <laughs> APB on Miliardo, <laughs> and then his ass but kept walking downstairs. I was like, where the fuck have you been? Uh, <laughs> fantasy. It's like, uh, for a week? Yeah. Yeah. Straight? Basically. Yeah. <laughs> Did you go to class? <laughs> Did you go to class? Did you eat? <laughs> Did you shower? Like, what the fuck have you been? Yeah, I, seriously, man. I, I thought you were gone. The answer like, to no all those joke. questions was no. I thought you were gone for a week. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. The answer to all of those questions was no. I was like, I just fought Sephiroth. What do you want from me? All right, <laughs> I just saved the world like five times. All right, <laughs> it was it wasn't easy. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Thank you for listening to our show. The 1068 Pub is closing. We'll be back with more beer and more shit we find entertaining. If there are certain beers you'd like us to try, or if you have any comments about our show. You can reach out to us at 1068pubcast at gmail.com. Yeah, that's something else. What did we learn about Rocket League? Uh, we're bad at that, too. Yeah, we're not Aren't great. We pretty, pretty bad at that game. We're not great. <laughs> hey, we're not great, and I'm the worst of the three of us, so there's that. Hey, it's good to be a small fish in a small pond. Is that the phrase? I don't know if you can phrase. A penis with a phrase. I'm uh, still confused. Uh, a fish with, with a small with penis in a small Anywho. pond? Yeah. Okay. Small. Cool. <laughs> That's not how sex works. <laughs> um, we were playing FIFA and we lost out in a certain division. And we like, all right, it's cool. I guess we don't belong here. Noted. And then we go down a division, and then everybody there is even better. And we're just like, what? How does this make like, sense? Like, where are the people that are bad at this game? <laughs> yeah. Like, right? How do I sign I mean, up there, for the blue Shouldn't there always be... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shouldn't there always exactly. be somebody that just started, just yeah. bought the game, and is yeah. playing for the first time? We need that. Where are those people? We need those you know? people all the time. Dude put... <laughs> Christmas bells. That's right. Fucking jingly bells. That's great. You did put jingle, jingle bells. bells. You yeah. did. You son of a bitch. <laughs> you festive son of a bitch. Nice. That's right. That's right. I didn't even catch on to that. I'm just over here just I'll, jamming. You know. I had to mute my microphone because I started laughing. <laughs> I had really surprised. <laughs> that is so funny. That's awesome. Jingly bells. Is this? Festivities edition? The Christmas Switch Moss episode. See what I did there? <laughs> I nice. do. Okay, I'll run with it. <laughs> Welcome to episode 16. So, Ooh. ever since they moved computers to... Windows. Okay. This, this trans- well, Windows. Ever since they did it where they have like the solid state and then the other one. 
even though I have a shitload of space in my computer, I have none in the this one. You know what I mean? In the this one. No, actually, I don't know what that means because I always consider because they space have like two hard different drive. hard drives. Well, they have two different hard drives in the same computer. They have a solid state and then they have a standard. Oh, that's news to me. I, I don't. I didn't know that was a thing. You know, the extent of what Corrales and I know is that we can look at naked people on them. That, other than that, you know, I don't know anything else. Would that be the solid state? Uh, hey And you guys can hear this? Holy shit, I can hear that. Oh, it's fucking loud. It's yeah, I didn't get any of that. Open a beer. Okay, I gotta figure out the volume. I heard that about poop myself. <laughs> that would be the solid state. <laughs> Just going straight off the bottle. It's a Kentucky, 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 Kentucky bur, Kentucky bur, Kentucky bubbin, Kentucky. I was trying to say Kentucky straight bourbon, Kentucky bourbon, Kentucky. You're making me crazy for beer, Kentucky. There you go. There you go. So it's a uh, Kentucky shit. <laughs> he did it again. <laughs> what kind of glass is everybody drinking out of? Oh, well, I'm not going to assume glass. It could be, you know. Hang on, hang on one second before you answer that, Corrales, because my controller died and... Yeah, We're back. He's got to pick up your audio because <laughs> you don't have your microphone. There you go. Uh, the fancy glass. Wait, do that one more time. Yeah. Sorry, do that. Do that one more time. Sorry, sorry, one more time. I'm I'm drinking out of a Glencairn snifter. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Do that. Do that one more time. Oh more Jesus time. Christ! You just screw with snifter. me right now, Miliardo. Snifter. <laughs> yeah, I'm just snifter. I'm just screwing with you. <laughs> what kind of glass is everybody drinking out of? I'm drinking out of a Glencairn snifter. Uh, Miliardo, what kind of glass are you drinking out of? I am drinking out of the official Woodford Reserve glass. And it's oh, actually shit. like, oh shit! I'm actually, I'm a little sad because I got this one. Um, I was, I was really impressed. Bottle of whiskey, two cups, two of these little glasses, um, for thirty. It was like thirty, maybe thirty-five bucks. I was like, wow. all right. So you got the glasses well for free, basically. Well done, Because the yeah. bottle is usually is about cool. thirty, thirty-five. Yeah. At, at, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a Christmas thing too. A lot of times. Yeah, but then. I was at Target. I think I got last year's model because I was at Target just tonight, actually. And uh, I already had the bottle, and I saw it on the shelf, Woodford Reserve. And the glass that came in that case was cool as hell. So, I mean, if this really? is something where I, I become a big fan of this whiskey, I might go get that one, too. It was one of those that has – I mean, it was a, it was the size of a whiskey glass, but it had a lot of texture on the inside, like a uh, lot of uh, ins like- and outs. It was just a very cool – and it was it was like the the normal size bottle of whiskey plus that glass for I think it was thirty five bucks at Target. And that's what I'm saying, cool. man. I really appreciate what Woodford Reserve is doing at that price point. I I, I mean that wholeheartedly. That's pretty yeah. cool. It is. I, I think it's it a, is a quality bourbon for a good price. So I am drinking out of a Rogue Taster, Rogue Brewery. <laughs> Tasting glass, the one that you gave us. Yeah, oh, yeah, the flight, uh, the flight mean, glass, yeah. the kind that might come in a horizontal wooden <laughs> bottle. Yeah, uh, yeah right. that apparently resembles a weapon. 
<laughs> that, that type of glass. <laughs> That's what I'm drinking out of right now. There you but go. I okay, cool. That's, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Well, I'm making good use of it, trust me. And it actually works really well because they it's actually really wide enough um, glass. It's not like a shot glass. It's wider than a shot glass so that I can actually smell, get the aroma yeah. from from the whiskeys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, it's working really well, actually. Um, just it wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't intended necessarily for drinking whiskey, but it's working. Honestly, like the size of those, I could see being a good size for tasting whiskeys. It's it's Absolutely. really good. Yeah. I've yeah. filled it three quarters of the way up, and it's and there that's go. a good yeah. good size for for getting some whiskey down. Oh, it's good. Yeah, I'm getting good use out of them. For the listeners that don't understand what we're talking about, good. at the uh, yeah. most recent trip uh, to Asheville, not Asheville. Clyde, not Clyde, Fines Creek, North Carolina. Uh, Corrales gave Freedom and I both this really cool flight set from Rogue. It had four glasses and a wooden, a horizontal wooden bottle to, to hold it. Baseball bat. legit, man. It is I'm like a club. Right now. It's going to look like a baseball bat. It is a, it's a club. I'm looking at man. it right now. It's on my uh, shelf here as, as decoration and it's well. cool as hell. I'm glad you guys are enjoying them because that was a pain in the ass, man. Jeez, sir, you can't get, gonna, back, you can't get on the plane with those. And, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. Did, I told you all about that, though, right? No, you didn't tell us about I don't I, think... No, I, this is the first time I've heard this story. Having to oh, check really? it in separately? Seriously? No. Oh, yeah, dude. I yeah, just, so my family, like, they're no, this all... this is news. My family is, like, they are through all security and all, and they are waiting for me at the gate, and I'm running around the damn airport figuring out how I'm going to send all of those so i went to like <laughs> i went to a gift shop that sold like really like nice gifts like fragile stuff and i was like they'll probably be able to help me and the ladies in there were so cool and they get me newspaper and we wrap every one of those bastard glasses and got it all in a box got it packed up then i go back to luggage and say i would like to check this on the flight please i pay the extra or whatever to get it checked okay I am baked out of my mind for the entire process. <laughs> All right, because, because you are in because, Oregon, yeah. because I was in Oregon, it was to, it's yeah. totally legal. So I partook right before going to the airport. In fact, I was nice. partaking on the like I was finishing my partaking as we're checking our luggage. So, like, oh, it is hilarious. just now yeah. starting to hit me while I'm running around trying to figure out how to wrap all y'all stuff up. It was bananas, yeah, but anyway, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad it got done. And I was amazed that not one of those glasses got cracked or anything. No, not one. Now that I know this, the ladies that put the newspaper—that was legit. Like I pulled the newspaper out of the inside of that glass. Oh, that stuff thought, was in there. This is so dense. <laughs> I was like, this is so dense. There might be a shot glass. I had to like peel it apart because I was like, I don't want to be missing something. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no. Because you, you did give us a couple of Jack Daniels shot glasses too. Yeah. yeah. And I could have sworn there was one of those little. Bad boys wrapped up in one because they they had packed that shit down there so tight. Oh, you could have tossed you could have tossed one of those things off a building when we were done with them, man, <laughs> and it would have bounced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, good. I'm glad I'm glad y'all are getting some use on them. I thought they were pretty cool. That was a that was a cool brewery, man. It was um that was a neat trip. You take all of those things together, and that helps you to <laughs> that is, son of a bitch. What is doing he doing right now? Did you open that I was in the a mic, Freedom? In the no, mic? Not even close. <laughs> Dude, what a tool bag. You just made so much noise. So that much was noise. Crazy. Yeah. Just right. pooped on Sorry. everything I had to say, man. <laughs> you really did? <laughs> just took a giant dump on everything I had to say, Freedom. <laughs> I'm sorry I wasn't listening. What?
Oh my gosh. But anyway, I think you <laughs> But but higher proof bourbons are getting really pop. They're getting really pop. Did uh, he freedom. wiggle? They're getting really pop. That, did he wiggle that stick? Either he didn't wiggle the stick did or higher proof bourbons are getting really pop. Wiggles the stick. <laughs> I'm gonna go with higher bourbons are getting really pop. That's my Burm. Oh man, we totally lost Corrales. I don't know what happened there, but I feel like that's well, going to hit the Well, he's probably, reel. He's, he's, I'm sure he's, if he had his own mic, he'd be giving the most epic, deep commentary right now. That commentary. was just like gold. It was gold. It was stuff that the world should not be deprived of. However, <sighs> Corrales, no and I, I can't mm. even say, I can't even say Corrales doesn't have his own mic because he does have his own mic. It was I provided. gave him a mic. Yeah, it was provided. Right, it was him. provided. And he's just choosing not to use it because he's a lazy son of a bitch. Dick. Yeah, lazy. Which is why we'll never know. We'll never know the great wisdom that is everything he's saying at this exact moment. Well, it's not exaggerated. How great great is the wisdom that comes from Corrales? That's not exaggerated. Come on now. uh, (laughs) All right, assholes, I'm back. My battery's died. All right, so let me explain what happened at my house when that happened. All right, so you you fuckers start coming (laughs) through the TV speakers, okay? It is blaring, okay? (laughs) It's so freaking loud, all right? And the remote that I have for my damn – because we changed um, dish satellite providers or whatever. The damn remote doesn't work with my TV turning down volume when I have my Xbox on. (laughs) I could. I literally cannot turn the volume down. Whoops. I had to run up. I had to run upstairs real quick, not just to get new batteries, but to shut my my bedroom door before my wife <laughs> woke up by you fuckers. Oh my god! See, Oops. you heard all that. I heard y'all making fun of me upstairs in my house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Assholes. so great. That's yeah. so wonderful. Got to keep them batteries handy, That's the bro. best way. That's the best <laughs> way they could have possibly gone. <laughs> you guys are douches. Yeah, we know. As the voice of the whiskey noob, which I proudly wear that voice on this show. The uh, do you wear voices? Did I say that weird? You do not wear that? voices, but you don't we'll wear voices, do you? We'll no. roll with it. I don't. That's I don't personally weird. wear voices. Um, not not one time have I worn a voice. You don't. But no. Nah. But you you do you. Bro. <laughs> you haven't lived, my friend. I guess not. <laughs> okay. Not doing life right, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> with startling, startlingly startling accuracy That's i think two wood reserves hey, i was about to say Miller, sure. i think you uh i think you need another drink there buddy yeah you well did you have one more question corrales oh bro christians, i got two more questions you, bro. You, i got two more questions Christ- bro. christians did i say christians you say yeah, christians. Some christians that's some christians i got i got, I got, I got any christians i got some another i got another <laughs> question for you miliardo which is more important to you Tits. Doing things right. Wait, sorry, what was the question? T- tits. All right. <laughs> Asshole. So let me start over, Miliardo. <laughs> so my last question, I wasn't even sure. And pouring. I wasn't even sure how to ask it, honestly. Um, tits. What? That's a statement. <laughs> tits? <laughs> That's an that's an answer. The answer is, tits yes. is the answer. Tits are always the answer. <laughs> I think that you can't anthropomorphize a cat and say the way you treat that cat must be the same as the way you treat a human. I'm a bit speciesist. I believe that humans have a slightly higher priority when it comes to 
how you must act versus an animal. And you might disagree with me too, but well, I, I shot a deer Friday, so I, I wouldn't shoot yeah, one of you guys. No, so no, I guess I don't disagree with we you guys. Agree. Okay. We agree with I you. mean, I, I don't. I don't mean to sound like a dick when it comes to animals, because I do like animals. Well, yeah, like when I shot that deer, I didn't take that responsibility lightly. Right. I like animals, but I am a speciesist. I believe that human beings are uh, multiple tiers above the other ones, and I believe that the way you treat a human being is way different than the way you have to treat a cat. And I don't think you should kick a cat, but I also believe kicking a cat is less bad than kicking a human. Anyway, long summary there. Depends. Well, on it's that. a cat. To, um, but, I mean, it's a cat, to be fair. If, <laughs> if you kick my dog, like, we're going to have problems. <laughs> Dogs are the only organism I hold at a morally higher level than humans. Yeah. Depends on the human. I'd yeah. kick a human if I needed to. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I'll kick a oh, human yeah, for too. fun. Totally. I'll kick a totally. human for fun. <laughs> for fun. <laughs> like, I don't even... <laughs> it doesn't have to be that necessary. Just <laughs> and so that, that's where you get that black uh, pepper. You notice how I paused there. I was thinking. Um, you black, guys have uh... almost given me... You've almost given me a speech impediment. Can <laughs> uh, turkey... Can turkey bubbin? But anyway, it, so, it could be worse. Uh, it's it's definitely got black uh, pepper. God, I got to do it every time now. You guys are really <laughs> I know. Me up. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna. Here's the thing. We we just went into this episode talking about black pepper. I'm gonna have to play that drop again, just so in the event that anybody listens to this show without the history of the show, oh, they'll be like, "What the fuck are these guys right. doing?" Right. I'm gonna have yeah. to play that yeah, right. just to yeah. just to yeah. make sure yeah. everybody knows. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. to screw with my yeah, speech we'll put impediment that even more. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I'll just fast forward that part when I listen to the podcast, so I don't get too messed up. There you go. Just because I taste a little black pepper to help me understand whiskey, that made me gay. Taste a little black pepper. Taste, taste, taste a little black pepper. What? Taste a little black pepper. Taste, taste, taste a little black pepper. What? Taste a little black pepper. Taste, taste, taste a little black pepper. What? Taste a little black pepper. What? That made me gay. They help me understand whiskey. Taste a little black pepper. They help me understand whiskey. Taste a little black pepper. Uh, they help me understand whiskey. Taste a little black pepper. Uh, that made me gay. Wait a minute. What? Taste a little black pepper. That's a big one. Anyway. Taste a little black pepper. Uh, I kept mine in my fridge. What? Taste a little black pepper. That's a big one. Anyway. Taste a little black pepper. Uh, I kept mine in my fridge. What? Just because I taste a little black pepper to help me understand whiskey, that made me gay. I don't get into the the black pepper. You should get into black peckers more often than you do. I guess that's true.